Best Conversations Podcast, special edition. Um, you know, I tell you, I usually come to y'all on Mondays. That's usually the day I usually drop these podcasts. But, man, everybody all clogged up in the house. I thought I'd do a very special episode for y'all. And um, I don't know. Mondays and Fridays might be the move, man. I got a, I got a lot of dope people I can, you know, have conversations with. And Lord knows I don't know how long this uh, coronavirus will last. But anyway, Best Conversations Podcast, man, I have a very special guest on the line calling me up. Um, I got first introduced to this young man in the Carolinas when I lived in Greensboro back in 2003. Um, His his music was felt and also you can can see what he was doing because he was riding around in this promotional van. So even if you didn't hear the music, you would say like, Damn, who who is that? Why 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 does he have a promotional van? Like like what is he doing? Um, from there, I, I started seeing his uh, music videos on that like the access channels on TV, and the music was jamming as well. And if you're from Greensboro, every everybody, if you're a real hip hop head, you're from Greensboro, you already know. On the line, representing that three three six, that Naps crew, Brandon D. What's going on, man? What's happening with you, Brandon D, man? First off, man, how, how's the family and and everybody doing down there? Oh, everything is good, man. You know, we just uh, staying wrapped up in the crib, trying not to get that Rona, man. That's it. Word up, word up, man. And how and how's baby girl, man? She good, man. She uh, she just turned eighteen months. Um, so that's a great, you know, you know how that experience is raising the kids. So it's all good, man. Can't complain. Absolutely. So, um, and tonight, man, I want to get, I want to deep dive into your story, man, because it's, it's so inspiring, man, because if you're from the Carolinas, man, and you, and if you ever wanted to do music for most, for most youngins, man, you was like the first person we seen kind of doing it on that level to make some people get inspired to want to do it, man. So I really want to go all the way back and then bring it all the way up to what you're doing now. Okay. Good deal. Let's go. I bet. So, uh, Brandy, man, so tell people where you from, bro. I am from Greensboro, North Carolina, a small, um, yet pretty well-known neighborhood. It's called Douglas Park, but it's, uh, it's right over there off of Martin Luther King. That's where I was born and raised. Word. So that so that probably be Dudley High School? Nah, I actually went to Grimsley, man, believe it or not. Okay, went to Grimsley. Word. Did you, uh, yeah. you play tall as hell, so did you play any sports and shit? Zero sports, man. I was, I was, uh, I was chilling with the ladies, man. Word. If you don't know Brandon D, he every bit of like six five. I, I think you about six five. Look like it. Nah, six, I'm probably like six three. Six, six three. Okay. Probably give it. Extra, extra boost. Right. So, um, growing up, growing up in Greensboro, man. How'd you, how'd you fall in love with music? Um. My uncle and his friends, man, they had a group back in the days called the Busy Boys, right? Okay. And uh, so I just grew up watching what they was doing. But out of that crew of friends came, like, you know, some some pretty notable uh, artists and producers. So you had Ski Beats that came out of that crew. We from the same neighborhood. Ski Beats is from uh, is from Martin Luther King area too. Okay. Uh, Fanatic. So so Ski he produced Jay Z's first album. Um, he just got like some crazy classic joints, but yeah, was, yes, yeah, I know Ski Beats, and it's uh crazy. One of my homeboys, big, my one of my homeboys, Big V, 
he just interviewed Fnatic, and that's that's a really dope interview. I, di- I didn't know he, he did all what he did. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up, you know, under these cats, just watching these guys go for their dreams. You know what I mean? Because basically we all came from nothing. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just saw them go from nothing to, like, just – heights that you just couldn't imagine man but i seen them dream it up and then i seen them go do it you know from fanatic producing for michael jackson we're talking about a dude from greensboro north carolina that you know just put his grind game to work and was out there producing for michael jackson beyonce all types of people man yeah that's yeah that's crazy i I listened to that interview and i couldn't i couldn't even believe it was a cat from carolina that did did all that and you just put me up on game. I had no clue that Ski Beats was from from Carolinas. Never knew that. Yeah, Ski Beats is from Greensboro, bro. Damn, and I didn't know I, that. There was another guy by the name of Mark Sparks. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mark Sparks, he's from like Wadesboro, like outside of Charlotte. But he produced Soup for Salt and Pepper. He produced Men in Black for Will Smith. He produced like joints for Madonna to uh what else they did they did the sunshine anderson joint that was kind of the culmination of all of them coming together was uh the sunshine anderson project with soul life um wow but this you know me and my cousin jay white we just grew up watching this entire process so it just made it believable to us you know what i mean we saw it so we knew it was tangible so you know we we approached it from that standpoint got you so so going so going to grimsley um, you see, you seeing, you seeing these people doing, doing a thing. Um, so when, when do you pick up the pen and the pad? Probably like senior year or junior, senior year in high school. Um, I used to battle. I started out battle rapping, man. Where uh, we would just go to the football games. Um, that, that's where Naps crew was born in high school. And we would go to the football games and battle other crews. It was just, you know. A lot of fun, but that's that's where the love began. Gotcha. Now, but to be honest, before that, I picked up the pen way before that, but that's when it kind of got serious. Like, gotcha. This is what I want to do. But, you know, I probably picked up the pen, you know, 10, 11 years old. Matter of fact, I had wrote something uh, when I was young at Kaiser because I went to Kaiser Middle School, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the kind of poetry but they took one of my joints and put it in the the um the opening of the handbook, the school handbook there when I was maybe like eleven, twelve years old. Word. And was the and what what were some of the first music names? As far as what? Uh as an artist, so it's always been Brandon D. It was always Brandon D. I'm just like, man, we'll just be me. That's dope, man, because some people try to, you know, jump out there. With the crazy rap names, and then they then they finally land on, on their, on their real name. So um, so so post so post high school. Um, so first off, what you listening to around high school? That's uh, that that's feeding you. What take take me on that on that on your ride on the bus or on on your way to school? Like, what are you listening to around that time? All right. So when I'm in sixth grade, I believe that's when um, that's when the Chronic dropped. Okay. Um, so of course everybody was big on that wave when that hit, um, when Eminem hit, I was like a big, I was into the lyrical people that, of course, you know, watching Ski Beats and Fanatic and them, you know, Ski, he produced, um, I mean, Fanatic, he produced Crush on You for right. Biggie and for Kim. That is so crazy. I, 
Yeah, so I was definitely into, you know, all of that scene. Jay-Z's first album was going crazy for us. Um, uh, yeah, so that, that I, you know, a lot of people was on, like, the Deep South music. I mm-hmm. can't even find and say that's where I was, man. I was more into the Northern music just because they were, you know, they were more, it was more about lyricism. So that's why I was. So from, from being from Greensboro, did you, did you feel discouraged? I mean, you, you've seen, you've seen, um, Fanatic do his thing and Ski Beats, but, but did you feel like you, you could make it out as well? Yeah, I knew it because I saw them do it. And these weren't just like dudes I'm watching from a distance. Like these was like, damn near like uncles. Like they Mm -hmm. was my uncle's best friend. So, you know, they had my grandma's house chilling. And then next thing I, you know, I'm hearing a production all over TV and all over radio. So it was like, it was extremely tangible, man. Word. Okay. So, 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 okay. Well, post high school, man, like, um, like so, you were in the studio heavy, I guess, at this time and doing your thing. Uh, Post high school, that's when uh, my uncle Eli he he had me come out to California. Okay, they had a label scenario. Uh, it was called Soul Life. It was um, they had merged with Atlantic Records, and that's where Sunshine Anderson came from. Uh, Anthony Hamilton was signed to the label back then, and this is like early two thousand. Gotcha, two thousand one type vibe. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was out there for maybe like a year or two, came back home, started working on some music. Um, me and Jay White, uh, y'all might know my cousin Jay White, he run uh, Underground Rich Studios. Yeah, man, if you're from Greensboro, you know Underground Rich Studios. Yeah, so me and Jay White started putting our money together and uh, I started going to the studio. And the first song I recorded was this song called The Cat Joint. So that was the first like, song? That was the first song, bro. Wow. That was my first song by myself. Gotcha. I had did other stuff with like, uh, you know, Showdown from 102. Yep. Mm-hmm. We used to be like his hype man. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I had recorded some joints with Showdown, but as far as it being like my own record, uh, the CAC joint was my first official record by myself. Wow, that's crazy. And then, and then so check it out. So the CAC joint, we go to... Uh, my man Billy D crib. Um, as soon as we recorded, and there's a radio guy there by the name of Cap J. Cap J, he over yeah. chilling with Billy mm-hmm. D, and we happen to play the CAG joint for Cap J. And Cap J is like, "Yo, I want to play this on my radio show." So this is, I believe, like this might be like Wednesday, Thursday, and he said he gonna play it on Friday. So Friday night, me and Jay White, like, we done called the whole city, like, yo, they're going to play us on the radio. They're going to play us on the radio. Everybody tune in. So, we, you know, we got all these people, family, friends tuned in, and he didn't play the record. Oh, Lord. <laughs> nah, but what happened was he had switched shifts. He switched shifts with somebody, so he came on on Saturday night, I believe. So Saturday night, we ain't tell nobody because we was embarrassed from Friday. Right. He, he plays the record Saturday night, and uh, the first time the record ever plays on the radio, it's my first record, and the first time the record plays on the radio, a record rep by the name of Court Digger, Courtney Court Digger Powell from Electra Records was driving from uh, New York to Atlanta mm. and happened to be coming through Greensboro and heard the song on the radio and pulls over and, you know, starts 
trying to get in touch with people who might know me and contacts this dude, Sean Shaw. Sean Shaw reaches out to me and uh and and from there a record deal is born. So I got my first record deal from the first song I ever recorded by myself, the first time it ever played on the radio. Wow. That's yo, that's that's a that's a crazy story. <laughs> Let, let's let's go let's go back uh, uh, just just a little bit. So um, when you was in Cali, uh, you said he was working with Sunshine Anderson. Um, but so, not, not, I wasn't I wasn't working with Sunshine Anderson. My my people, your my pe- uncle, yeah, you know, your Mark Boggs, Eli, and their team. They was working with, with Sunshine Anderson. Mike City, because you know Mike City is from uh, well he went to school in North Carolina, but he produced um, I wish I never met her for Carl Thomas. Okay. He it was it was a real story and he turned it into a song got it to call thomas and it turned into you know i wish i never met him gotcha so i mean seeing your people um you know working with sunshine anderson and stuff like that like i know you had to be definitely super inspired like man this is this is man this could happen for me too yeah yeah it was crazy i mean because we are on the west coast like you know at that time soul life records is like a big deal out in cali and la and like it was a lot going on man but just you know partying with a-list celebrities uh you know they had the cribs out in beverly hills like so it's like experiencing entertainment from the highest heights that you can experience you know what i mean Word. and at, at this time i'm like 18 19 i'm interning in the soul life office so just you know just kind of watching observing and learning all right, and, and uh, from us being from the Carolinas, man, um, take me to the fir- take me take me to the first time you heard Petey Pablo raise up. Like, how how did that make you feel from being from the Carolinas? The first time I heard Petey Pablo raise up, um, I think I was probably hating, man. To be honest, word up. Man, who was this dude getting all this shine, <laughs> man? Talking about North Carolina. Well, you know, it was, a, I, I can't say it was like a pure hatred, but it was like a, it was like a love hate because he really rep, you know what I mean? He right. really represented and really put it us on. And I, uh, you know, I wanted that to be me, man. Right. So it, it was a little, it was a little hate there, but it was a little, it was, it was more love than hate, but you know, a little underlying competitiveness. Yeah. That to be I, I think a lot of people from the Carolinas felt that way. I was so young. I was probably i don't know i don't know what year that came out probably like 2000 2001 something like that and i was and i was so young i i i just when you're from the carolinas it's almost like damn they know we down here like and it was like the first person that you know to rep carolina and it was it's kind of it was kind of crazy moment to be like do you know to, to say shit i'm from the carolinas too that this is this is really dope man so shout out to pd pablo i just always like to kind of know like you know, when the first part, first time that people heard that record, because it was such a huge record, even if you loved it or you hate it, man, it was somebody out there repping for the Carolinas hard, man. So, shout out to Pete right. Pablo. Okay, so um, so so this person gets in touch with you, offers you the record deal. So what happens then? Um, I fly to New York, me and my cousin. We flew to New York and we meet with Sylvia Rome in her office. And wow. Sylvia- is in her office like she had like this corner office in this high-rise building in new york so we overlook in new york city and she got this crazy sound system that's like the speakers had to be like 10 feet tall and she mm-hmm. is in there blasting the cat joint and dancing to it 
And she's like, yo, we, we want to sign it. So they signed me to a single deal. Is this is this post is this post Petey Pablo or before it? This might be before Petey Pablo. I think Petey Pablo came a little after two thousand one, maybe like two thousand four. Maybe maybe I'm a I'm a Google it while we here on the phone because I don't want to be wrong. But I think Petey Pablo came a little later. Yeah, I, I know Petey Pablo is definitely between two thousand and two thousand three because I was in high school, but I don't know what what year really hit so i did so re- the reason i was asking that question because i didn't know if sylvia rome said oh that's you know because you, you know record labels can be kind of like oh hey I, we got one carolina rap, rap out there popping right now so let me go find another one that's kind of doing like the you know give me another one just like that oh no nah, you're right it was released 2001 yeah mm-hmm. august 2001 yeah yeah, only only reason I know that because I just remember being in high school. That's and that's the years I was around in high school and shit. So, yep. so yeah, I, I I didn't know if that's what Sylvia Rome was thinking. Nah, I, I, this might have been right before that. I don't think P D Pablo was out when I hit okay that gotcha. So she just so she just literally just hit a talent, hit a dope ass record, and was like, "Yo, let's like, do it. Yo, let's do it." Gotcha. Okay, dope. And man, if and if you don't know, please go Google the the CAC by by Brandon D. Super super dope record. Shot the shot the video. Look like downtown Winston. Uh, some parts, some scenes in Winston, some scenes in Greensboro. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that was cra- that was crazy. Um, seeing that video, like, oh shit, man, that this it's crazy. So so the, so do y'all sign a single deal? I guess. We signed a single deal. Mm-hmm. So the song was a sample from uh, Billy Joel, right? Right. So in order to get the sample cleared, they had to track Billy Joel down and let him hear the song. Mm-hmm. So that process in itself took six months, right? Right. And he likes the record, but he's like, man, I don't want any profanity on my music. So if y'all can redo it, take the curse words out, then y'all can use the record. So I go back in the studio, take the curse words out, um, and then we got to let them hear it again. So they got to track him down again. So this is another, like, you know, six-month process. This man could be anywhere in the world. You know what I mean? Right. So here I am a year in on on a single deal. Um, so what happened? Around that time, uh, who went on tour? My man, Court Digger, the dude that got me signed over there, he gets me on tour with Ludacris, um, David Banner, Chingy was big at the time, um, and a few other cats. But it was the Chicken and Beer Tour. It was Ludacris' tour. And uh, Nocturnal. Nocturnal was an electro artist. And uh, and I was fortunate enough to be out there with Nocturnal. Like, you wow. Know, just kind of, That's dope. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so while we are out on the road, Electra ends up being bought out by another label. Right. A Warner. Yep. And and what else happened? So we had pressed up 5,000 copies of my CD to pass out while we were out on the road, right? Mm -hmm. So when that happened, I left the tour. Because, like, it was crazy on Nocturnal tour bus. Because Nocturnal... I don't know how familiar you are with LA. I, I, I am definitely familiar with. I'm, I'm familiar with not turning through Dr. Dre, but not really super. I, I know who he is. I can nah, say that. I'm, I'm saying with LA. Okay. Like, 
this dude and his crew was real deal gang bangers. You hear me? Word. <laughs> so like they flying Crips out from Cali. They flying Bloods out. These dudes is on the bus fighting. Like it was just you know, it was crazy. So, um, so I leave the tour. I never got to pass out these 5,000 CDs. So me and Jay White get back home and are like, what are we going to do with this? And uh, and I we like, man, we might as well sell them and try to make some money. And that's where the independent grind started. And uh, it just it went crazy from there, man. We ended up uh, selling over a quarter million CDs hand in hand. Um, you know, the rap cars, the radio, all, all that you've seen came after Electra. Gotcha. I walked in. I walked in um, the legendary Mr. Smiths in Greensboro. If you're from Greensboro, you know Mr. Smiths. And um, yes, sir. And so I walk in Mr. Smiths one day, and I see your plaque of I, I can't. I, I'm so long ago. I don't remember the, the exact number, but I, but that was like one of the first times I've I've heard of you. Like I was like, damn, this dude got a plaque in Mr. Smiths. Like damn. <laughs> Like damn, and it told and it told how many records you sold independently, and I was like, damn, like who who is this cat, Brandon D? It, yeah, it, and that was that was really dope, man. I remember that. Yeah, I think the plaque was uh, Jay White. Jay White gave me that plaque. That plaque was for like our first ten thousand units removed or something like that. Yeah, that was yeah that was hard, man. So so um so how's the city treating you at the time you get the deal? Like, do the people do the city know you got the deal? How's how's one hundred two uh, playing the record? Take take me there. Um, they saw in love. They mm-hmm. saw in love. Um, the first place that put it in rotation, ironically, was a uh, station out of VA. Okay. How ill is that? But I can't. So. So really, initially, 102 wasn't showing love, now that I'm thinking back on it. Mm-hmm. They had played at that time, but they ain't have, you know, a DJ. I don't know how familiar you are with how radio work, but DJ might be able to play it here and there on the mix show. Absolutely. But that puts you into rotation. That takes the program director. You That's know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the DJs were showing as much love as they could, but the program director wasn't really with it. So it took maybe like a couple years of us beating up the streets before, you know, the CAC joint started getting major airplay. And yeah. once, you know, once people started seeing it everywhere, that that's when they started showing love. Gotcha. Because it was undeniable. It's like, damn, this dude, he's in the newspaper, he's on the news, he's in the streets, at the gas station, he at the clubs, like, you can't really deny it. And, uh, and, and that's when they started showing love. Well, that's when the program director started showing love. Yeah. And another that helped boost it was uh was Young G. She was working at one oh two at the time. Yeah, shout to Young she, G, yeah. Yeah. And she uh we I think we met at this this it used to be this this hip hop spot called the Blind Tiger. Mm-hmm. We met there one day and she was like, Yo, I wanna you know, what you got for me? And I think I played her all this time or something like that. This record I had with uh Rico Barino. And um uh, and you know, it just grew from there. Gotcha. And, and and like, are you going to like the the um around this time? Are you going to like the hip hop summits and stuff like that? Like, are you rubbing shoulders with like different artists? Because I know like back, like in the early days, like they would have like these like these hip hop summits like down in Puerto Rico, Miami, and different things like that. 
Yeah, we popping up in different locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't say necessarily just like the hip hop summit in Puerto Rico. We we ain't make it as far as Puerto Rico, but mm-hmm. we would definitely pull up in you know your Miami, your Atlanta. Like if we needed to be in New York, we was in New York. Like we was definitely on the move, but we we didn't make it to the joints in Puerto Rico. I know what you're talking about too. Yeah. So what like what's what's some of the first artists that that you met that. Well, like you said, you was on you was um on tour with Nocturnal, but is there any of them that you met like that kind of really fucked with you? Fucked with you when they heard when they heard the heard the music? I would say uh, Juvenile. Word. Yeah. Yep, Juvenile. One time, Juvenile. Me and Juvenile, we was in the club. Uh, it was a strip club, and uh, you know, he was Juvenile. Like, high, cash money was big. But when he came to the club, they started playing my record, and the club went bananas. And he like, damn, I gotta, I gotta give you respect, bro. You, you doing your thing out here. So juvenile was cool. I think I met uh, two chains early on. Um, you know, it, it, a little bit of everybody, man. David Banner showed a lot of love. Uh, just it, it, you know, gotcha. a little bit. Of- and um. Showdown definitely held you down crazy because uh, I would always hear every time Showdown, most most times I would hear the radio, I would hear Showdown in the mix. He would always show a lot of love to you. Uh, how how yeah. that, that, that relationship with you and Showdown? You said, how is it? Not, 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 not I mean, like, as far as, like, um, him showing love, like, him seeing the vision because he, cause he, cause he definitely kept playing your music and stuff. Yeah, like I told you, bro, like, I was his hype man. Me and okay. Jay, like, you know. So, you know, it was just, it was a mutual love and mutual respect. Because Showdown had some scenarios and, and still got some scenarios going on. But he had a deal before I had a deal. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so we would go to New York together, all type of stuff, man. So it's like a real, you know, it's a real family right there. You had, you had the, you had that, you had that joint, um, I used to hear on the mix, on the mix shows, uh, that you flipped the, uh, I, I know they don't love me. The uh Tony Ayo joint, you remember that? I don't. You, damn, it was, damn, it was like it was like the Tony Ayo song with. The, I re, nah, I remember the song from Tony Ayo, but I don't remember me flipping. No, it was it was another. It, maybe I'm thinking about another song that it was a, it was like a G Unit song or something that you flipped. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm bugging, but I thought I used to hit out on the um on the mix on the mix shows or, or whatever, but uh. Maybe I'm bugging, but um. So yeah, so I used to see you, um, like everywhere. Like, if it was like outside the club, you'd just be sitting there in a promotional van, and you had like you had like a, like you might see a promotional van and a dope ass whip like right beside each other, man. Like, like how how important was like the promo game to you? Like just just being recognized and noticed. Um, it was important, man, because that's all we had as independent. All you had was your marketing ability. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, the whole purpose of it was to be able to sell more music. Because right. if people recognize you and know you, you know, then they are more apt to spend money with you. And, you know, we weren't at the club. Like, people thought we was at the club partying all the time. But mm-hmm. now, if I was at the club, you know, I'm at the club to sell my CDs for real and keep getting a name out there. So it was all a part of the grind. Gotcha. So, so um, Electra, Electra gets bought out. Um, so, where, so where did that leave you professionally with the music? That left me independent. Indep- straight that left independent. Me, 
and just like with a real sour taste for major labels. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's what had us just going so hard and so crazy in the streets. Cause so we was hearing the stories from these cats out of Texas. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they were saying, yeah, we sold a hundred thousand independently out the trunk. But we, a lot of those cats, when they were saying they sold a hundred thousand independently, they meant they sold a hundred thousand signed to an independent label and not a major label. But we didn't know that. So we interpreted that as them saying they sold 100,000 units hand to hand. We like, yo, if they can do it, we can do it. And we just took that that entrepreneurial independent spirit and kept it pushing, man. Wow. So did was I know I know y'all was getting, you know, a lot of independent money, but did you want another record deal? Did you was you was you still shooting to try to get another record deal? I can't say that I was, man. I think I had totally closed off my mindset to the idea of wanting to be signed to a record label. Because you got to think how sour that situation was. Like, I signed, I get sat on the shelf for six months, really for a year. Mm-hmm. The point where the label gets bought out. And, you know, if once they got bought out, if you weren't a major artist, then, you know... Um, you would just basically let go, which was a blessing in itself because I had the freedom to do what I wanted to do. But we had no interest in doing anything with any major labels after that. Now, talk to me about a about a single deal. Um, it's funny. I was watching the um, the Wu Tang uh, the Wu Tang movie, and um, and I seen and I seen um, the Rither. He signed like a, a single deal, and he and it looked like he was left with like. Didn't really get nothing from it, really. So, with a single deal, do you get like money up front, or does it does it come with any? Do it come with any perks, like any money, anything? Yeah, we might have got like ten G's. Okay, got you. We might have got like ten G's, and then they paid for the clearance of the sample. It was fifty G's to clear the sample. Whew. Wow, that that's that's crazy. Fifty G's to clear the sample. Because I, every time I heard the song, I was like, damn, I, I know that shit took a lot to clear that damn sample. <laughs> yeah, 50, 50 G's, and he wanted 100% of the publisher. 100% of the pub? 100% of the pub. Damn. So that's what really had me like, man, I'm not thinking about no damn record label, man. It was, you know, it was a, it was a brutal entry into the game. Word. So it, it just left us like, man, we not... Nah, we're not entertaining nobody. We're taking our own fate into our own hands, and that's what we did. So, um, so how was how many uh between the single getting the song getting made and the video? Like how how long how long was the gap in between that? That was maybe that was maybe like four or five years. Yeah, I I it, it, I thought it was like a while. What what made y'all still like push and still say, hey, like we still gonna shoot this video and and keep working this record? Because what it was was like, like I was saying, like, um, at first the radio wasn't, they weren't really trying to hear. I can't say the radio, not the not the not the DJs and personalities, but more so the program director wasn't trying to hear. It. So they weren't showing love. But when we showed that consistency over the years, that's when they added it to rotation. It took them like two or three years to add the record to rotation. And once they started showing their love at home, you know, that love started to spread to other markets. So it was like, yo, we might as well push this record. 
First time we I... had we had we had left that record alone and moved on you mm-hmm. know, and started doing other records, but I guess you know it, it was just I don't know what it was, but they they picked up on it after two or three years. Well, I do know what it was. It was the consistency of them seeing us out there working, and that was just you know I guess the biggest record I had at the time. So that's the one that they uh, they gravitated to. First time I heard the record um, was uh, the Noonday uh, DJ Polo. Um, yep. he he was he was go he was going crazy with the record. I was like, oh shit, man! And it, and it was it was almost like just putting two and two together. I was like, damn, that's the cat Brandon D from. I be seeing in the streets with the damn shit, and now he playing now he playing because they have like the 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 mix at noon as well. And I was like, damn, that that's dope as hell. That was, that was, the, that was the first that was the very first time I I heard the record was like yeah, yeah. and then noon. The tapes together and everything, but I, I I did his uh his intro that twenty minute workout. Yeah, yeah, the twenty minute workout. You damn sure did the intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, it makes sense now. Absolutely. So um, so take me so take me through the journey with 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 the music, man. Um, uh, you keep going. You send a lot of you send a lot of uh music independent. Uh, everybody in the everybody in the borough knew you or knew of you. Talk about the love that the borough had for you. Um, it was just genuine love, man. You know, because people, people, people felt like they took part in it, and right. they did. And they helped support it because people bought these CDs hand in hand. Like, I, like I say, we sold a quarter million CDs. Like, that's a lot of love and a lot of support, man. A quarter million CDs. Quarter million CDs. Well, all of them were in Greensboro. Like, after a certain point, I'm like, man. I gotta, you know, I gotta move around. Right. So what I did at that point was started to travel all over the country, man, and selling my music independently. I post up in the flea market. I might rent out a booth in a mall, post up there. But like, it took me all over the country selling my music independently, mm-hmm. under the radar, like not worried about no major. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I hired a whole sales team, had people out there selling the music with me and, you know, created a film, started selling the film. Just one thing led to the next, man. And we was just all over the country selling music. Wow. That, 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 was, a, that was a crazy time. That was a crazy time, man. Um, damn, all over something. So you all over the country, the whole, all those deep south places that people don't like to go, but you, but you everywhere. Yeah, because really, like, all the places that people don't like to go, they don't like to go there because it's it's small. Right. But when you think about it, it's not really that small. Like, if you, like, let's say uh, Mississippi, for example, right? Yep, Jackson, this Mississippi. Joint, this joint only has three cities. Right. Three, three big cities. If you flood these three cities, you got the whole state. Mm-hmm. But their biggest city is smaller than Greensboro. Right. So it's like in those type of markets, the word of mouth is easier to spread. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So just took the approach of doing what people didn't want to do and just, you know, using it to my benefit, man. Gotcha. So um, you, you, do, you do your thing on the music side for a while. Um, then, um, then, I mean, I guess life, life happens and you seem like you fall back for the music for a while. Um, yeah, just uh, I kind of after a while, like initially, like when I said when we started out in high school, like it was 
it was love, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then after a while, you know, the product became, it almost became like a job. Like I'm traveling all over the country, but it's just a way to generate bread. It wasn't like the love wasn't there for it. And I just, uh, I just left it alone for a minute, man. Right. Um, so I have to tell this crazy story about how, how we initially met. Um, I'm, uh, I moved to Raleigh and I guess it had to be 2012, 2011. And, um, like I said, I've seen Brandon Deer in the streets of Greensboro for years and just, uh, mad inspired because I never, you know, shot the P wonder. Uh, I seen P wonder doing his thing as well. Uh, Rico Barino, but, uh, one thing I can say about you, bro, like you was mad approachable. Like I seen you several times and you didn't know who I was because I'm just a young nigga back then. Just, you know, I, back then I wanted to make music too. And I just couldn't understand like, damn, how he, like, damn, how he get to that level? And, but I would see you, you would dap me up. You'd be like, I, you know I mean? I never said I did music. I just, to me, he was like a damn superhero. Like, damn nigga, like that's, that's Brandon fucking D. So, um. Fast forward way, way years later, uh, like I said, it's like 2012, um, I'm at my crib, me and my, me and my, me and my, um, I don't even think, she wasn't even my wife yet, just, just me and my girl, uh, I'm coming down the steps, regular day, moved to, moved to Raleigh 2012, I'm coming down the steps, and Brandon D, if you know Brandon D, he got these dreads, they look like, the way your dreads look, they just look different from everybody else, I don't know much about hair, but, you know what I mean, they just... <laughs> It just looked different. And I seen you. I said, yo, that's fucking Brandon D. And you look, you, you turn around and you like, damn, how does nigga know me like that? You know what I mean? And I was like, then I told you, I was like, nigga, I used to remember you from Greensboro doing your thing. And it was crazy that that you lived right there in the same shit. I lived at right there in the, in the, in the same damn um, duplex and shit. I was, I was like, damn, Brandon D live where I live. Ain't that dope? I went and told my homeboys and everything. Like, nigga, Brandon D, you remember Brandon D back in the day? That nigga live right there over there where I'm at, man. That shit, that right. shit was that shit was really dope uh, for me, man. So, um, anyway, uh, so most people that don't know, man, your lady, man, she does uh, radio. Yeah. Um, talk talk about how y- how y'all met and um and then her her doing her thing in radio. Yeah, so we met in uh, well, we used to see each other in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. And she was on the radio then, and we never really, uh, we never connected. So this is like 2004, 2005. We would see each other, you know, make small conversation, but never nothing serious. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one day I'm out in Raleigh selling my CDs, and I just run into her in the club. And uh, and it's the first time we have like an in-depth conversation. We sat there, the whole, it's a whole party going on in the background. And we just sat and talked for like two, three hours. Wow. And it just, it grew from there, man. Word. And she was all, she was always, she was doing radio back then too? Yeah, she was on, she was on K97. Wow. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Oh, nah, way back in the day, she used to be at 102 Jam. Okay. Gotcha. In the early 2000s, she was at 102, and then around the time uh, when I ran into you, like right before that, she was at uh, she was at K97. Gotcha. So when you when you um when you wanted to stop doing music and just wanted to, what 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 was like the next move for you? Like what, like what 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 did you thought like was gonna be the gonna be the next move for you? Um, 
I really didn't know, man. I really didn't know. But I know I wanted to do something with music, but I ain't really have, like, the desire to be, you know, a rapper, per se. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I'm like, let me try my hand at managing. And that's when I connected with, um, I came off the road. I got with my cousin, Jay White, who used to manage me back in the day and started managing him. Like, mm-hmm. the table, it was a full 360. Wow. Um, and, you know, he... Um, that's when the studio had not too long been opened up, maybe like a year or two, into having Underground Ridge Studios. At that time, it was Chop House. Mm-hmm. Um, and um started working with him, doing the management, and his group used to come there and record. Um, and they happened to be the Hamiltons. Mm-hmm. Um, they sang with Anthony Hamilton. And... Um, you know, so with the Hamiltons, it wasn't like, yeah, I want to meet y'all and I want to manage y'all. It was just like, yo, I sent some dudes that was like just crazy dope with everything that they had. You know, some of the most talented musicians I've ever seen in my life, to be honest. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, I'm like, yo, I, I want to help out whatever I can do to help out. And I just started helping out and it just naturally grew into the role of management. Right. So what's what was like some of the what to, to be a manager? Um, what's some what's some of the tough things you have to deal with, like being a being a music manager? Um, everything. Like you, you have to know a little bit about everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the main thing you gotta watch out for is people, mm-hmm. because when people have like when people. When people get around people that they perceive to have like celebrity status mm-hmm. and that they perceive to have money, like you, you meet so many people who pose to be, you know, whatever they got to morph into at that period in time. So if they want to be a CEO, yeah, I'm the CEO of such and such records and I do this and do that and do this and do that. And you'll meet them and, and, and get close and be like, man, you don't do none of the things you said. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, so that's probably got to be the hardest part is just like uh, deciphering who people really are and the promises they make versus what they who they really are and what they can really do. Where, so, so Anthony Hamilton, did he remember you from back in the day? Yeah, yeah. My uncle uh, that I was telling you about that um, – you know, him and Ski Beats and Fanatic all started out together. Mm-hmm. He uh, He's managed Anthony, his in, I can't say his entire career, but, you know, from the early 2000s, maybe like 2001. So when Ant got the deal with uh, with uh, Jermaine Dupree and they put out Coming From Where I'm From, mm-hmm. uh, my uncle was managing him. So wow. he's always been like family. Gotcha. And, um... What what's some of the what's some of the advice your uncle gave you when when um when you when you told him that you when you was about to get into management? Um just work hard, bro. Mm-hmm. Work hard, work you know, work hard and be consistent. And uh all bro, it's it's so much advice that he's giving me I can't even like I can't even pinpoint one thing to be honest, man. Well, I know one thing that he told me as a as an indie artist, this was before any type of thoughts of management or anything like that. He always said that uh, when you sign, when you when you partner with a label or you sign with a label, you don't sign for the money, you sign for the relationships. Mm. Ooh, that's a bar. <laughs> yeah. 
man. So, so, so talk about the relationship that you have built with the Hamiltons, man. Cause y'all, have, um, y'all, y'all have definitely been doing like a lot of great things. Um, the video, like from the videos to everything, um, album to albums, singles. Talk about that relationship that you and the Hamiltons have built. Um, it's like a, it's like a brotherhood, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so. They have been nominated for a Grammy with Anthony Hamilton. Uh, in 18, they were featured on like two, maybe three Grammy-nominated projects. One of the projects won. They got the record with, uh, the. they did the record with Tori Kelly. That joint won a Grammy. Um, they had the joint with P.J. Morton that was nominated. And then they had a joint with a gospel artist named Jonathan McReynolds. And that was also nominated for a Grammy. Man, how, uh, how how dope did it feel walking down that Grammy carpet, man? I, I remember seeing that pick like, oh, look at my nigga Brandon D. Grammys. It, it was it was a great feeling, man. It was a great feeling. Um, but you know that's not the end. Like we're gonna win some Grammys. You feel me? Right. It was like it was bittersweet because we didn't win, uh, but you know we did make it there. But I know we going back and we we bringing some Grammys back to Carolina, man. Absolutely, man. You, what, what, which one is more more fulfilling, behind the scenes or in front of the camera? I would say for me at this point in life is uh, behind the scenes. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to, you know, get get the credit for everything that's going on as long as it's happening. Like as long as it's happening and I'm able to contribute to it happening, like, man, well, I, you know, that's all I want. Right, and and. It's, it's it's just dope, man. Being being from the Carolinas and and you know what I mean, seeing seeing all what you're doing, man. Who um, who 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 right now that you do you like in the Carolinas doing music? I'm um you you one of my favorite songs you did with Tigo B. Never working nine to five. I want people to go look that up. That's on 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 um, on all streaming platforms. Um, outside of Tigo B, is anybody else you feeling from the Carolinas music? It ain't got to be just hip hop, R and B, hip hop, whatever. Yeah, so it's this uh, it's this kid named Jordan Hawkins. Mm-hmm. He's really dope. Um, of course, Rico, I still rock with him super tight. And this is this uh, it's this young lady out of Fayetteville named Chloe. Oh, I fo- I fo- I just recently followed Chloe. I made this uh, Carolina playlist the other day, Carolina Vibes playlist on Apple Music, and I and I added her song. Chloe, she's really dope. Yes. Yeah. So Chloe is super dope. Um, it's it's a lot of super talented artists right now, but those are just you know some that I know personally and I respect the hell out of what they got going on. Of course, your Tigo B's, um, Issa, he's always been doing his thing. Um, Issa, Issa mentioned you. I I interviewed Issa uh, about a month ago, and he he said. Uh, he mentioned you. He was like, uh, when he start first start, you know, making his moves, he was running behind the Naps crew. So I was like, damn. I was like, yeah, yeah. that's dope. Yeah. Word. Yeah, but it's, it's it's a gang of people out of Carolina, man, that's really working and really doing their thing. So just anybody that's really out here working and, and not perpetrating like they working is, is who I respect and, and tip my hats to, man. First, first time you heard J. Cole, what'd you think? First time I heard J. Cole, I was like, this dude is dope. Like, I've got, I, I think I still got the CD. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I have, because he had a CD 
because he went to A&T. So he had a CD that him and a DJ had put out with a, he had like a, he had a fade with mm-hmm. the A&T logo on the CD. A word. I still got it somewhere, yeah. And I was telling people like, yo, this dude is dope. This dude, I think he gonna do some things for Carolina. And uh, and you see it. Yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. Um I, I was because I'm I'm from I'm originally from a small ass town called Wagram. It's nine one zero. It's like south of Fayetteville. So me, you know, I mean, it was like there's a few cats that done put on for Carolinas, but ain't nobody really ever put in put on for the nine one zero Fayetteville that area. So the first right. time I heard lights, please, I would just like, damn, this dude from the fucking he from Fayetteville. He from he from around my little area, man. It was just. It was just crazy. It was just crazy to see. I couldn't. I couldn't even believe it, man. It was really, really dope, man. Um, as far as far as artists, cause man, they, people people hear this and they're gonna be like, he he manages the Hamiltons. Are you looking towards managing other people and doing other things uh, uh, with management, managing other artists? Yeah, looking to definitely grow it. You know what I mean. Um, but I wouldn't say looking for artists in particular. You know what I mean? Like, um, we, well, I don't know if I'm going to put that out there yet. But me and my partner, my man Dame, he from Carolina as well. We working on a few things. But I wouldn't say we, like, act- actively seeking artists. Mm-hmm. But we we more so deal with, like, those organic relationships. Like how it came with the Hamiltons. You know what I mean? Like, that was like purely organic. Like I want to help you dope. Let's see what we can do. And you know, it just grew from there. So looking for those type of scenarios more so than just, Hey, I'm trying to sign this guy. I'm trying to sign that guy trying to sign you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely, man. Well, man, bro, I, pr- I appreciate, um, you checking in, man. Um, I, I, rem- I remember, when um when I like I said you was we was damn their neighbors for a short time until you uh bounced, um, yeah. and I said and I and I and you I, you helped me move out. I so. didn't want I didn't want to tell people that I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I, I you know I didn't I didn't want to give people all that behind the scenes shit. But yeah, I definitely helped you move out, and um good, yeah, it's all real. And um one thing I said to Brandon D, I said you know I, I said I said yo um I'm not asking you for a job. I said, uh, but if you ever have opportunity, that's all you can ever ask for. When you, when you know, what I mean, I knew Brandon D. Even, even then, when we met. You told me you had some big things. You was never home. That little time that we lived, lived right here. You was never home. You was always out of town. And, um, and I asked you. I said, bro, if you ever have opportunity for me, let me know. You know, what I, mean? I didn't ask you for any no money, anything. I said, yo, all I asked for was opportunity. Years later. Brandon D got the Hamiltons and Raleigh doing a club appearance and you let me film it. You know what I mean? I'm just, you know, I'm small, got my little film, flip film shit going, killer TV. And so, man, I just want to personally, personally, publicly tell you, thank you because that's all you can ever ask for, for somebody, just opportunity. You know what I mean? And little spots and little placements like that definitely helps grow my brand as well. Uh, No doubt, man. You know, like I said, bro, anytime I see people that's like, working for real and they just ain't talking about it you know i gotta salute that man yeah man you you definitely definitely a real one definitely super humble man everybody from the carolina is gonna be so proud of you so so are are so proud of you as i've been doing this podcast thing man so i'd be hitting like some of my homeboys be like be giving me suggestions of people i should interview 
And so yeah. your name came up like two or three times. Shout out to my homeboy Q. Um, um, he was like, yo, you got to get Brandon D on the podcast. I was like, you know, it's crazy. I actually know Brandon D for real, for real. And he was like, yeah, you got to get Brandon D on the podcast, bro. And I was like, yeah. And I thought, I thought with everything, everything kind of at a standstill right now, like I bet Brandon D kind of stopped right now. Like the rest of us be a perfect time yeah. to, to get him, get him on the interview, man. So I, so I definitely appreciate the check in, man. Tell the people what you got coming up and, and what you're working on as far as the Hamiltons and whatever you're doing. Oh, the Hamiltons, man, they just, uh, just released a new project. It's called Watch the Tones, the B-side. That's the second edition of the Watch the Tones series. They put another, uh, they put the first one out um, at the end of 2019. And then this one came out on Valentine's Day. And the crazy part is we was just in the middle of like a Prince promo run. We had went from New York. We was in New York for a week, uh, like February 22nd to like the 29th or something crazy like that. Came down, did two shows for CIAA. Got up that next morning, went straight to Atlanta. We did um, some press out there. They was on Sister Circle, did radio interviews. And then, like, right after that, bro, the corona hit and started, you know, started seeing things still. But uh, so that's one of the things. And then me and a partner of mine, we just established a joint. It's called More Soul Music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a record label. It's a fledgling record label right now. But, you know, we're definitely working on some things to build it up, man. So. That's about it, man. And then, you know, other than that, working with my wife, Nikki, she does a lot in the community, you know, making sure I can support her in, in whatever type of ways that I can and uh, and keeping it pushing, man. And also, she got a uh, she got a website called straightdrops.com. So if you need, like, drops for this podcast or anything like that, she got a deal going right now for uh, a corona deal. You get drops for the super low, man. So check it out. I will. We'll, we'll do. We'll, we'll definitely be hitting a Nikki. La- last last question, man. Um, has fatherhood changed you, man? Um, you, uh, like you said, your baby is eighteen months, man. You wait a little wait a little longer to have a kid. So, I man, how's how's fatherhood been to you? It's uh, it's a blessing, man, and it makes you think more long term. You know what I mean? Um, since I had her, we we me and my wife, we both went out and got life insurance mm-hmm. just because you know. Tomorrow's not promised, man, and you got a whole nother generation to come after you. So it just it changed me in that perspective as far as just thinking more long term. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Well, Brandon D, man, thank you for thank you for your time tonight, man. Um, shout, shout out to you and your wife, your baby girl, uh, man. I hope everybody uh, stays safe, man. And um, again, just thank you again for your time, bro. Hey, for sure, man. You're a good interviewer too, man. Well, 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 appreciate appreciate that, man. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, I feel like I'm, you know, just just learning how to interview and and do this thing better and better, man. And and I appreciate and I appreciate you noticing that, man. Thank you, thank you a yes, lot. Sir. Thank you, man. Yes, so that's a wrap, man. Best conversations podcast. That's another episode, man. Um, like I said, these these podcasts usually come out on Mondays, but this is a special edition. If you're from the Greensboro, you're from three three six, you're from the Carolinas in general. This is a this is a special treat because cause this is a Carolina legend. This is a Carolina legend, y'all. Brandon D. Best conversation. Yeah, I, I don't I don't do too much press either, man. I ain't about talking about what I'm doing. I'm just about getting out there and doing it, man. But you know, you're the homie, so you reached out, so we made it work, man. But I appreciate you. appreciate you having me, man.
Absolutely, man. You have a good night, bro. All right, you too. All right, peace.